It dawned on me, some of you aren't familiar with the Romans Road or the Romans Walk. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you are familiar with the Romans Road. Maybe not those particular verses. I got saved reading John chapter 3 and chapter 4. And uh, it was a blessing to me. Others have gotten saved over someone's testimony. Others have gotten saved by some piece of the word of God. I know that because my Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. So we need to familiarize ourselves with God's word if we're going to grow in grace and grow in God's temperament and grow in God's will. And so uh, I coined the Romans walk, steps in Christian maturity. The book of Romans is a good place to go. You've heard me lecture on it before. The middle word in Romans is man. It describes mankind's depravity and takes mankind all the way over to chapter 16, I believe is the last chapter, where I like to say eagles fly, but it's where people can run instead of just walk in service to God. I contact a lot of different people throughout the year, even so far this year, and you can almost tell where they're at in their spiritual maturity by how they respond to challenges in their lives. We all can judge where we're at in our own lives by how we respond to them in accordance with God's word. Sometimes we fail, sometimes we even outlast, we even surprise ourselves with the Holy Spirit's power, he gives us strength to carry on and to make and meet those challenges in accordance to God's word. So let's take a quick look. I wanna just cover it briefly, and we're gonna look at it in more detail as we, uh, as we go to Sunday school, today we looked at salvation in Romans chapter 4, verse 12, how Abraham ste stepped out in faith. So the first walk in the Romans, in, in the book of Romans that we see, well, the word walk shows up four times in the book of Romans. And in that book, we can map out how we should walk as Christians, how we should gauge ourselves and step out in faith. And the first step in faith is found in Romans 4.12. Romans 4.12, if you turn there, we'll look there. And I'll give you a minute as I pray. Thank you, Lord, for privilege to look into your word. Help us to understand it, to live it, and find ourselves on the path to heaven. In Jesus' name and to his glory, amen. Romans 4.12. It says, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but all who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. And we looked in Sunday school about in Romans or in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, how Abraham stepped out in faith, left his country, and obedience to God only on God's word. Was told he was going to be a father of many nations and prosper and all the nations of the world would be blessed through that obedience. And we have that blessing today. You have part of that blessing right in your hands now. It was Abraham's descendants that became priests in the Old Testament era and were responsible for the preserving and 
testimony of God's word which you have in your laps right now. We're all blessed through that. We're all blessed by many other circumstances that were laid out as Abraham and as we walk in accordance to God's word. And so the first step is to step out in faith. Walk in steps of faith. Where are your steps of faith? And I'm, I'm so hung up on this illustration, I'm just going to have to use it right away again this morning because when I, when I think of how I step forth in faith and how we step forth in faith, we have to take a step forward in obedience to God's word. Now, as we step forward in obedience to God's word, if you read his word, you'll find out that Jesus Christ talks about being the door. He talks about standing at the door and knocks and everything like that. So we come forward and you hear that on your door. Honey, get up and get that. Okay. Take a step forward. God says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will sup with him and him he with me. And a lot of times we leave that man, that God, on the front porch. We leave him on the front porch. We don't want him to come into our house. We don't want to take the steps it takes. Come on in, come sit in the living room. Boy, I get to a lot of people's houses all over the world. And you can tell how they're walking with God, whether they have you walk into the living room or the kitchen or whatever, how familiar they are with the things of God. They'll leave you out on the porch in a minute. Now, as you step forward in faith in your daily walk, do you leave God on the porch or have you accepted him as your personal savior? He promises to sup with you and you with him. He gives you all kinds of substance and guidance and direction in your life. But he won't push himself on you. He won't come in that front door until you leave it open and invite him in. And as he steps in that door, you have an opportunity to have communion with him, sup with me and I with you. And you have an opportunity to interact with him. And in that interaction, what will you get? Grace, forgiveness, power, righteousness, all kinds of things. As you indulge in his word, as you share your life with him. So many of us leave God over in the foyer. We don't want him to step into our living room. We don't want him to become part of our life. And that leads us to the next point in Romans chapter 6. 6-4, the second step is, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism unto death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Notice the word should there and underline newness of life. God knows we should try. We're not successful. None of us are successful because you read in Romans chapter 3 how none is righteous, no, not one, but we're striving to be righteous. We're taking steps of faith to be righteous. We're taking and trusting God as Abraham did, trusting God at his word. We open the door 
We walk to the door, we open the door, and then we invite him into our lives. How far do we walk with him in our lives? He wants to walk hand in hand with us. But unfortunately, a lot of times we leave him in the entryway. He doesn't step into the living room. He doesn't want to stand in front of the TV set or the computer. You won't, you won't want him to be involved in any of those things. You don't want him, we often don't want him to step into our bedroom. We don't want him to step into our uh, medicine cabinet. We don't want him to step into our clothing with dressers and such. We just don't want God part of that. But yet he stands at the door and knocks. He wants to be part of our lives. He wants to walk with us through our... Oh, you know, I've seen men scrambling for their lives, and boy... They, they would jump in a foxhole, and they want God with them. And when we get in a tragedy, you want God with you. He's still knocking on your front door if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Or have you left him in the foyer, and he wants to become part of your whole life. He wants to open up your refrigerator and have control or blessings on whatever you're eating and drinking. That's part of your walk with Christ. We're to walk in newness of life. We have victory over everything else. Our old life has passed away, and behold, all things are made new through Jesus Christ who loves us. He gives us a fresh new start, no matter where we're at in life. Some of us are fortunate enough not to have made a lot of mistakes and have to make a lot of changes. But you know, the devil's been in this world a long time. And he's affected each one of us in different ways. And we all have to put on a new life once we accept Christ as our personal Savior. Now, I said have to. We all should. And that was the word I wanted you to remember from the last verse. It says, For if we have been planted together in likeness of his death, this refers to Christian burial, we should also in the likeness of his, we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, Christ died and was raised again from the dead. We have to die to ourselves and be raised again from the dead in likeness of his image. All old things, let me just read on. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his righteousness. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. He took our sins to the cross. He took our punishment to the cross. He's willing to take everything negative about us to the cross as we turn it over to him. Oh, I just can't help it. I'm that way. No, God says he can help you if you're that way. He can have, help you overcome anything you give to him in the old man and the old nature. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Wow that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that he shall also live with us. And that's his desire. He wants to come into our lives, come across that threshold, get off the porch, and become part of our lives. And that'll only happen as we yield to him. He doesn't thump us on the head or send an angel down to 
fight our fights. He has us work through them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he promised us in Romans chapter 8, victory over everything in our lives. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers of darkness will prevail over you as you put your faith and trust in God and his word. Knowing that the Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Who are you living unto? There's three steps here. Alive unto God. Yield yourselves unto God, down in verse 8, 13, down in verse 11, and down in verse 10. What are you yielding to? Are you yielding to the bottle? Are you yielding to the, the shot? Are you yielding to the uh, temptations of all kinds of sorts? God will help you. He's killed them for you. All you have to do is claim it and go to him with it. Admit it as sin, and he will cover it with his blood. He took it to the cross a long time ago. He'd rather forgive you for it while you're walking here on earth instead of when you're standing at the judgment seat. Because you're forgiven of them already. You have to realize that and have victory over it. I see people all the time, especially when I was involved in the prison ministry over the years, and they, they go, well, you know, Preacher, I'm, I'm getting out in a week. I'm, uh, I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to be straight. And I see him in about three more weeks. A jail. I'm talking jail now. Prison's a little more, little more complicated. And I says to the fella, I says, what are you doing back here so soon? Well, you know, I got out, and I got a job. Where did you go to work? I tended bar. You got to get away from the old world, the old nature. You got a new start. Throw out your clothes and go buy some new ones. Go beg some off goodwill. That's what I tell them. And the next time you get thirsty, don't even look in the direction of downtown. Go to the grocery store and get hooked on a bottle of pop if you have to. I said one guy, and how serious it was where this verse came to life, he had trouble with alcohol. He's a big, tall guy. Wasn't real athletic, but he looked athletic. Great big fella. And he'd go to the bar and he'd get beat up. They'd fight with him because they knew he wasn't much of a fighter. And he'd get beat up. And he'd get thrown in the jail house because he was drunken and indulged too much in the things of the old world. He come back in one time. Uh, he accepted Christ as his personal savior at this verse right here and took the promise that he was going to have a new life. And he took and uh, left the jail, and he was one of those men, came back about a month later. And I says, he had was black and blue from head to foot. He looked like a raccoon, and he was just bloody and, uh, and hurt. He had indulged in the things of this world, had went back to the old life, hadn't claimed, had tried to claim a new life, and got beat up and put in jail. And I says, you know, you, you just didn't make that step over the threshold. You just did not. You've accepted Christ now. 
why don't you walk hand in hand with him down the street and tell that bartender the next time you see him, it better be on the sidewalk and not in his place of business. This is just specific to his sin. But you can fit whatever you want in yours. And I says to him, you're right back where you started, but God's forgiven you. And he looked up to me with, looked down to me with tears in his eyes, and he said, he said, you know, uh, I know he forgive me, and I'm glad I'm in here, because now I won't have to be tempted anymore as long as I'm in here. That's how hard he was trying to make himself a good life, to become new again. And you know, that was the last time he served any time in the county jail. That was the last time. He finally got victory over it once he admitted he couldn't do it in his flesh. He couldn't do it himself. And he turned it over to God and trusted him at his word and said, listen, if you want me to have a decent job or you want me to go somewhere else, I'm ready to go. And the first place he started was going to church regularly. That helped. And so... Each one of us, we like the new life. We claim, do you see, therefore we are buried with him by baptism. Where does baptism take place? It has since the beginning of time. A holy man of God has baptized someone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does that take place? In the, in the area or circumference, would you, under the umbrella of a church? The best time to start a new life is in a church. Best place. Now, I don't like to go to church because there's nothing but hypocrites there. I see brother so-and-so, and he owes me money. I see sister such-and-such, and she did this, and so somebody did that. But you know, this is a small town. I had somebody tell me that just a couple weeks ago. And I says, oh, well, where do you do your grocery shopping at? Well, I go to the only two places on the planet. Well, there's a third place, and I won't be little. That's probably the best grocery store, but that's just my opinion. I know the butchers in that grocery store, and they're living a new life. What a wonderful thing. But that shouldn't stop me from going grocery shopping just because <laughs> you go grocery shopping there. <laughs> You shouldn't stop grocery shopping because I go there. <laughs> or anybody else we might be at odds with. Whoops, I didn't mean that, but you know. I'm just trying to be a little cute. But think of it. You're going to stand before the judgment seat. My, my spouse doesn't want to come, okay? Or my spouse doesn't want to go. Or my spouse goes to this or that. So it, who's going to be standing with you at the judgment seat of Christ? Who's going to be right there next to you at the judgment seat of Christ? The one you walk with? Yep, you got it. You got it, young man. You got it. Jesus is going to be there. Not your spouse, not your children, not your family, not, your, not the bartender, not the pope, not the pastor. You're going to be there alone. And Jesus is going to be waiting there. And he'll side with you, even though if you've left him on the porch, wherever you might have left him in your life, he'll justify. He'll, he'll, you might be standing there earlier than his plan was because you didn't yield to his word, but he'll still be there and he'll forgive you.
He'll be an intercessor for you, and he'll plead on your behalf. And the Holy Spirit will, too. He seals you at the time of salvation. And we'll, when we get down to uh, Romans chapter 8, we'll find out how much the Spirit works in our life. Let's go there right now, because I want to finish this this morning and just give you an overview. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is therefore... There is therefore now no condemnation, no blame, no, cur no negative commitment to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit, did you see that? And that's capital S, of life, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, I used to struggle with things. And I still do. And you know who usually reprimands me quickly? Is the Holy Spirit as I yield to him. Each one of us have to yield to the Holy Spirit. The life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, I'm going to get real rough here for just a minute. You're not walking after the spirit when you go out at 10 o'clock in the morning to the dock and get in your boat. You're not walking in the spirit when at 6 o'clock on Saturday night, you're walking into the bar. You're not walking after the spirit when you sit down with brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and start talking about the one who isn't there. You're not in the spirit. You're not walking with the spirit. And Jesus is sitting over there on the sidelines like this because he can't be arm-in-arm -arm with sin. We have to walk and make efforts to be in fellowship with him. Otherwise, he just kind of holds his nose and says, okay, I'm here. Holy Spirit, you've got to take over from here because I, I just can't, I can't, I've told them, they're not walking with me. Don't leave God on the porch. You haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Let him come into your life. And you'll spend the rest of your life letting him come into your house because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a temple of God. You're made in his likeness and his image. And he knows your struggles and your temptations and your, your drama, whatever you want to call it. He knows that. And he wants to be with you. And he wants to walk with you. And he knows when you're trying and he knows when you're not. The last one, and that's where I kind of push as a pastor. You know, I, I've said it a couple times now. I'll say it again. My job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. And here, in, that happens right here in, in Romans 13, 13. In Romans 13, 13, we, we have to realize the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is truth. You see that what the world has gone to as far as truth, yea, can educated, 
individuals of high standing can't tell you the difference in genders anymore. They don't, they're so far from the truth. They're so, they don't have recollection of what is truth. If the majority votes one way or the other, that's the way it is. That's law. That's what we all obey. And if we don't like the law, we just ignore it. We overturn it. We try to transgress it in different ways. We have a whole invasion of people right now in this country that have bought into our way of thinking as far as the law is concerned. If enough people violate it, it doesn't exist. All right, Romans 13, 13. The last walk you'll find in Romans. Let us walk. Let us walk. And it's talking about walking in love here. It's talking about let every man persuade, be fully persuaded in his own mind. And it's talking about Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and in drunkenness, which is a pacifying from a pacifier to escape truth, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in camber, Chamberlain and wantonness, not in strife nor in envy. Let us walk honestly. Be honest with yourself. Is there parts of your life you hope God just plain overlooks? Is there parts of your life you don't want God to be involved with? Is there times and places you go that you would be embarrassed if God was standing there next to you? I've seen a clip of the view, five worldly women interviewing the guy who played Jesus, who's a very religious man now because of the place he played in the movie The Chosen. And it looked like here he sat there, kind of a long-haired Jewish-looking man, and he was a Jew, and he believes in God. And they're, they're almost mocking him. And I says, you know, God is sitting there in that chair next to him if he knows Christ. Would you be embarrassed if God sat down in that seat right there? I know you wouldn't be embarrassed. You'd share your candy with him, wouldn't you? <laughs> At least i give you enough to share it. Would you be embarrassed if God sat between you and Grandma? Would I be embarrassed? Are you walking with God? Is he part of your life, or do you have him check out when you go to work? Or do you have him wait behind the door when you uh, visit your friends? Or do you leave him on the porch most of the time? You'll be back. We need to walk as if Jesus Christ was with us and be honest with ourselves and honest with others. We have a new life. We have victory, and we're promised power in it. The worst thing that could happen is somebody shot me and I got promoted. That's the worst that could happen. It's the worst. So I've been getting kind of pig-headed and porcupiney, as somebody said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God tells me to do. You should be doing what God tells you to do. Make sure it's God, make sure it's to his word, and I'll back you 100%.
if I don't back you and I don't understand, the Holy Spirit certainly will. And Jesus Christ promises he will. So let's all try to be what God wants us to be and remember he walks with us. Let's all stand.